meeting today's challenges with yesterday's experiences. Senior Wisdom is your opportunity to take in wisdom gained by our elderly population and apply this insight to your own life. It's a time machine of sorts, sending you back to challenges of pre-millennia days and places that stretch across the globe. Captain Charles Jacobs was a professional firefighter in California for over 40 years. One day, he was approached and requested to recruit and train new seasonal hires. While in the Navy, Chuck worked with the aviation bosunmates. Their duties were described as the ability to work men, and that was exactly what Chuck became known for in the fire department. The two most important things that Chuck mentioned is to remember your humility and humanity. Everybody has basic needs that must be met, and everybody is fallible in some way. Throwing your rank out to someone or reminding them that they are inmates isn't necessary. Your job as a captain of a fire crew is safety of all the men and completing your job. Chuck feels the motivation comes from inside of you. The fire corps is one way to provide opportunity for people to get motivated. These traits will also serve each of us when the unexpected and uncontrollable circumstances occur in our futures. Senior Wisdom is ready to share another golden nugget. So adjust the volume on your laptop or handheld device and soak into a conversation with Charles Jacobs. Charlie Jacobs, retired captain of the fire department up here in the Grass Valley, California. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Steve. Thank you for asking. All right. Well, you know, a lot of firemen have come through the ranks and a lot of times they've come through you and uh, you've been uh, sort of training them. And I know there must be a lot of uh, uh, experiences that you probably could share, but is there any one experience in training uh, your up-and-coming firemen that you'd like to share here? Because there's, there's a lot of a lot of you that comes out when these things are, when you, when you train somebody, and I, I suppose that becomes important. It does. It, it actually started a number of years ago and kind of came to fruition. Uh, let me lead you through a little little trail here. Years ago, I was asked to do recruitment, what they call focused recruitment. We didn't have enough Hispanics, blacks, or females applying to be seasonal firefighters for CDF, which stands for the California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. They've changed the name now. It's no longer referred to as CDF. It's now called Cal Fire. In those days, I went out to different areas. I went to the barrio in Sacramento to, to recruit seasonal firefighters, the Mexicans, the Hispanics. I went down to, to Sac City College to recruit blacks on Martin Luther King Day. It was a holiday. I was supposed to be off duty. I went down with another guy that I talked into doing this from another ranger and we managed to bring in a lot of blacks and we met all the what they, they called goals but were really quotas but they didn't want to use that term. We met all the goals. So then the next stage I became the ranger unit which now they call it administrative unit but in those days, it was called the range unit. I was the range unit training captain. I was responsible to train all new seasonal hires. And we put on two 14-day classes up in Nevada City Station, training these people. A lot of those people that we had, men and women, have gone on to make this a career and have promoted 
at positions higher than a captain. You know, a captain is kind of a mid-position. You start out as, as a volunteer, then you go to a seasonal firefighter, then you go to a seasonal engineer, then you go to a permanent engineer, and sometimes we have seasonal captains, then you got permanent captains like I was. I, I made captain in 1977 and, and was forced to retire in 2009 because of a medical condition. But during that time, I learned from a lot of the older captains that the wisdom that they had picked up, not only firefighting technique, but just working with people, how to get things accomplished. Plus, when I was in the Navy, I worked with aviation bosun mates, and it's the only rate in the Navy that says this rate, bosun mate, aviation bosun mate, I wasn't one, I was a, I was an aviation machinist mate, but I was working with these ABs or aviation bosun mates, and their rank or rate said the ability to work men. That was the way oh, it was written. Really? That was the only rate in the Navy at the time that was written like that. So, so I got to be around these guys, and by osmosis, I guess I absorbed a lot of this. How you deal with people. Then later, once I was out of the service, I went to USF and got my degree in human relations and organizational behavior, and it kind of locked everything together. And that's when I started training firefighters, and later these guys became engineers or foresters, and shoot, some of the guys I was working with retired as unit chiefs, you know. I never had the desire to promote. I wanted to do what I could do, where I could do the best good, where I could help people make a difference and do the right thing. Well, a few years ago when I was at Washington Ridge Camp, we had just transitioned from California Youth Authority wards to the California Department of Corrections inmates. And during that process, we had to remodel the camp to accommodate inmates versus wards because of the differences in supervision and whatnot. We also brought two additional captains up there that were going to be working with us during this late winter, early spring, so that they could come in during summertime if we needed a relief captain, if one of us was out or we had a crew that needed to be covered or somebody was sick or what. We, we would have two additional captains that were already matriculated into the system and understand how to go out and work with the inmates. Well, these two guys had done an excellent job. I mean, superior job. In fact, one of them has promoted to a battalion chief. He is now the training officer for this particular range unit, Nevada Yuba and Placer. And he still remembers this. Three weeks ago, I was at a retirement party, and I looked at him and I said, okay, Mr. Training Officer, I'm going to test your memory. Test question number one, what are the two most important things for you to remember? He goes, remember your humanity and your humility. <laughs> I sat these two guys down, and this was seven, eight years ago, nine years ago. Nine years ago, yeah. <laughs> Time flies. And told these guys, look, this summer, you guys are going to go out. You're going to probably take crews out, maybe take my crew the one that's assigned to me, I want you to just remember these two things. Don't treat these guys like they're inmates. They are inmates. You don't ever have to tell them, I'm a captain, I'm in charge. They already know that. They know that before they got here. They're gonna work for a captain and as soon as they see your uniform with your two silver bugles, they know you're a captain. Never bring that up. That's your humility. Remember the humanity side of things. They're just like you. We have physical, obligations and needs. You need to brush your teeth. You need to go to the bathroom. You need to eat. You need to sleep. You need to stay physically active to keep your body in good shape to do this job. Remember those needs. When you get on a line and you're working, make sure those guys stay hydrated. If that means you've got to walk up and down the line, if you've got 17 inmates and they're all spaced out at the required 10-foot interval on a line so that their tool doesn't hit somebody else's, they're far enough apart from one another, 
you're going to walk 170 feet one way and 170 feet the other way and making sure every one of those guys that's in your responsibility, in your custody, is going to stay hydrated because if you keep them wet, you will keep them working and they will be happy campers. If you let them get dehydrated, dehydration has a lot of severe side effects. One of those is laziness and anger and you don't want that to come out on a fire line. You need those guys to still perform at the highest level possible stay hydrated and thirst is not the indicator. The first indicator that you're starting to dehydrate is the first bead of sweat you start seeing on your forehead. That's when you need to start putting water back in. Mm. The old days of going up and playing football or soccer and the coach would say, ah, you're just a water guy, you don't need any. Those days are gone. We've realized that was wrong thinking. The current thinking is stay hydrated, watch the crews and take care of them. Remember, when you go out there, what I tell the guys is, I'm not your punisher. I am your safety officer. You need to take that same philosophy. I get you to work safely. Make sure you work safely all day. I bring you home safe. You go back in the barracks, do whatever you got to do in, once you're released from my custody and you're back in CDC's custody. You do whatever you need to do back there. But don't mess with me, and I won't mess with you. Did, did you notice uh, maybe a change in behavior when you were like this. It sounds like you, you kept communications up with these guys. Oh, you absolutely. showed that you cared. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally kept communication. Did they ever respond to you in a way that oh. uh, you knew that, uh, you know, they say, hey, you know, I really appreciate the way you're treating me because others don't. All, all the, the time. time. Absolutely. Especially new guys. In fact, the word got out at one time. Uh, I got this from the inmates. They said, hey, Cap, you know, <laughs> they know Washington Ridge up at Susanville. Susanville is the camp the prison where they distribute these inmates out to the various camps. They've got to go through some preliminary training up there. If they pass that, then they qualify to come to a camp. In addition to a lot of other criteria, they've got to, they've got to be on best behavior and they're not messing with, with other inmates and they're not messing with the staff. Or and then they qualify to go to a fire camp. This is gravy duty. They don't have Constantina wire. There's no machine gun turrets. You know, they're on their, it's an honor kind of a system. You know, they're not in lockdown like they can be up there. So when these guys got the word that Washington Ridge is a camp to go, a lot of times these guys that would go back for a dental appointment or something, they'd be bragging about, yeah, man, I'm on Captain Jacob's crew too. You want to get back on that. And a word would spread that, hey, here's a guy that you're going to be expected to work and work hard. He doesn't cut you any slack, but he doesn't mess with you. He'll tell you right up front where he's coming from and just do that. And so when they, inmates would wind up coming to camp and if they would get assigned to my crew, the first thing I'd do is take them out and have my little sit down talk with them and tell them what my philosophy was, what I expected from them, what they can expect from me. And, you know, sometimes we're gonna have to agree to disagree. But those guys, a week or so after they'd been there, and I'd tell them, my job is not to mess with you. I'm not your punisher. This is your punishment. Make the best of your time. Try and learn some new skills. You guys might be able to come up with a new job and once you get released and you get paroled, you might be able to go out and start your own company or work with another company. Go out with Asplund or one of these companies that trims power lines for the power companies. Get all the brush down because that's a lot of what we were doing. You learn how to work on, on chainsaws. Maybe you could get a job at, at a saw shop kind of like they've got right here locally with SPD. You might be able to do some of that because you're going to learn this. If you are intent upon learning, I will give you as much information as I've got. And if I don't have it, I'll find somebody to give it to you. A week or so after these guys would respond, 
or, or come in and work with me for a while and they'd go back over and they'd talk to the swamper usually. The swamper is the next guy in line from the captain. He's my shotgun. He rides up in the front seat with me. He does maps, radios. He's got a lot more responsibility than the crew in the back. Different kinds of responsibility. More mental than physical. But he also does the physical work too. And he goes... Is, is that an inmate? That's, that's an that? inmate. Yeah, oh, that's an kidding. inmate. So it's oh, one yeah. of the technical Yeah, there's a, there's a swamper and a drag spoon. Those are the two closest to the captain and everybody else is just on the crew. And then you break them down by tool type. You got, you got chainsaws and Pulaski's and McLeod's. And oh, okay. you know, it, it's, it's very well organized. It's, and these guys need that kind, of, that kind of a setting where it's defined and, and they know where they're... They're at, they're and then at, they can yeah. promote. They can actually go from from uh, uh, a McLeod. They can go move on up to one of the others, and 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 maybe they make it all the way up to Swamper. Have these guys ever come back to you after they got out and said, "Hey, you know what? You made a difference." No, I, I've never, never had. Happened? Well, one guy, yeah, one guy sent a Christmas card up to the camp one time. Yeah, uh, he was an older guy, and he had some physical problems out there. But the point I was going to make is about a week afterwards, the Swamper would go, "Hey, Cap." So-and-so came up to me and was saying, hey, you know, right after you have your little sit-down talk, they always come and talk to the Swamper and say, man, is this guy full of baloney? I'm going, no, he's not. This is exactly what it is. Trust me. You'll see. Give it a week. And a week later, that inmate that I just had the sit-down talk with a week before will come up and go, Cap, you got a minute? Sure. I already knew what he was going to say. It had happened so many times. Cap, I got to tell you, I thought you were full of baloney the other day when you were telling me this stuff because... You know, people will tell you things that you want to hear. You are real. I'm, I'm here for you. I'll give you 110% all the time. Wow, that's great. You know, it was great. That's great. It was great. I'll give you an example. When I got sick, I, I had a heart attack. And when I had that heart attack, I had to go to the hospital, and they did a lot of operating on me and uh, did some bypasses. When I was in the hospital, I got five cards. We had five crews at Washington Ridge. I got five cards. Now the rule that I always had, you refer to me as Cap or Captain Jacobs. You never call me by my first name. Mm -hmm. We're not that mm -hmm. friendly. <laughs> okay. That's the rule. Yeah. I will refer to you as Mr. Gonzalez, Mr. Smith, Mr. Jones, Mr. Arguello, whatever. But that's the way we do it. And so when I'd call the guys out on crew, it was always prefaced with Mr. Kind of like Captain. Oh, well, respectful. Well, exactly. It's a yeah. little bit of respect. It starts little and it gets big after a while. You show that kind of respect. And when I got, you know, so sick, they, I opened these cards up. And it, it gets me kind of emotional even thinking about this. Nice. But I don't know anybody else. And I've talked to a lot of other captains that worked in the camps. Nobody ever got a get well card. I got five of them from five crews oh. and every one of them in there, Cap, we want you back. Cap, we love you, man. We need you back. We want you to get well. Charlie, we love you, man. Charlie, we like you. Charlie, oh, really? come back. They were using my first name. Yeah. That's the only time they ever did that. Well, they were showing they were getting They were showing another sign of respect, yeah. you know, that I did for them what they expected a captain to do. I kept them out of trouble. I never yeah. let anybody get hurt. Nobody got trapped. Nope. And we were always the, the crew that they'd say, let's get crew two up there. We know they can get that line in. Or that's really dangerous. Who are we going to, uh, crew two, can you handle that? Let me take a look at it. Yeah, I think so. But I want to have air attack over here. I want to make sure I've got an air tanker and an air attack, maybe a helicopter that I can get in there in, in you know, 40, 50 seconds if I need it. Not a problem. We got you covered. If you can build that line and we do it. Every time. So you you built these individuals up, these inmates up as 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 people, as individuals. But yeah. also, it seems like you you gave them that 
team or community cohesion that, that needs to happen and a, and a pride for what they do. We were like the Marine Corps. I used to yeah. tell them that. We are the Marine Corps at CDF. We are the first ones to respond. We get out past the hose lays. When they run out of hose on a fire engine, they can't go any further. When the dozers get into terrain, it's too steep, they can't go any further. That's when it's up to us. And that's when we go and we tackle the fire. I used to tell that for the director too. I do sound bites for the TV station. Go, yeah, we're like the Marine Corps. Rapid initial attack, sustained reinforcements until we overwhelm the enemy. And Dick Ernst, who was our director, passed away, uh, dearly departed guy, loved him, he was wonderful. He used to call me on the phone anytime he'd see that sound by him. Man, I love you, because he was, he was a Marine. He was a Marine? He was uh, once a Marine, always a Marine. I've yeah, got a son true. that was a Marine. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah, he was okay. a sergeant, went to, uh, went to Iraq. I'm really proud of him, too. Yeah. You know, did so the right thing. let's apply this to today, because not everybody seems to have the fire to get out there in this manner. But, I mean, humanity and humility. How would you take your, your average person in the world these days and help them start to show those qualities more and more? Well, I think the program we're doing right now might be a good start. The more people hear this, the more infectious it is. You learn a lot of times, there, there, there's visual learners, there's auditory learners. You and I are doing the auditory learning right now, but when people that know me and see me, you know, I don't wait for somebody to say, hey, could you help me with this if something falls down? I'm right there to help them. I don't need that. I'm self-motivated. There's only one person in this world that can motivate me, and that's me. Uh-huh, yeah, I tell my kids that. And I tell the crew the same thing. Crew? Two, I cannot motivate you guys. And they'd look at me funny because other people have been trying to motivate them all their life. And what did they get them? They got them in jail. Yeah. I can't motivate you guys. All I can do is provide you opportunity. And if you take that opportunity and you like it, you'll motivate yourself to do whatever it is that needs to get done. Bottom line. Yeah. Motivation is internal. It's not external. Management for years, you take MBO classes, you know, management by objectives. They're always trying to motivate their employee. It's a totally wrong philosophy. It's backwards. It works the other way around. You gotta motivate yourself, and that enthusiasm is, is seen and witnessed or overheard by other people, and that encourages them to go further and do more. Wow, and that is a great way to complete our senior wisdom today. Steve, thank you so much for the opportunity. You're very to do welcome. This. I enjoyed this quite a bit. Certainly. I'll see you.